Section five of the Black Cat, Volume two, number three, December eighteen ninety six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia. The Black Cat, Volume two, number three, December eighteen ninety six. Section five. The Captain's Last Cruise by Stanley Edwards Johnson the eighty-five years of captain josiah lemuel bass sat lightly upon his broad shoulders he was the joy and wonder of the remote cape cod village where as he said he had been hauled up for the past twenty years like his valiant old whaler nancy b he had served his time and voluntarily had been honourably discharged the old ship and the old captain sailed into nantucket harbour with a cargo of oil for the last time in eighteen seventy five when the two parted company the captain's face was somewhat strained but he endeavoured to be as merry as ever and succeeded pretty well as he bade farewell to his crew as if they were to meet again the next day nancy b was taken to new bedford and has been rotting at the wharf ever since and nancy brayley the captain's wife was soon after gathered to her father's thus deprived of the two treasures he loved best captain bass returned to his old birthplace on cape cod here for years he followed a regular routine he visited the captain's room where the old salts lived over the old days then if he had a fair wind and fair weather he would make a round of the boat builders shops where he delighted in watching the catboats and dories in course of construction each year he made two sad pilgrimages one to new bedford to see the nancy b and the other to the old north graveyard at nantucket where he scraped away the moss and lichen from the headstone of his wife the captain was a very hale and happy old man he had been an exceedingly prosperous whaler and no one knew how many thousands he had stowed away in his lockers he was the sweetest jolliest old sea-dog in his old home where he had as companions the boys he had played with in his youth they were now wave-worn sailors like himself in all there were over a score of octogenarian seamen whom he met and chatted with in his daily rounds captain bass had an old maid niece hitty who kept his house and in a futile way tried to prevent his spending his income on his friends he knew he had much more than enough and he was too generous and kindly to see his brethren suffer every morning he rode out of his house at half after six with his cane tucked under his arm and his black pipe blowing such clouds of smoke in his wake that he resembled a steamer sailing on a swelling sea his seamed and grizzled face beamed kindly upon all and he was as rosy and sound as a fall apple and no sun set without some well-applied charity falling from his hand besides being charitable the captain was a man of sentiment but this quality seldom came to the surface thus he passed his life until he showed signs of failing health in spite of all his protests to the contrary it was perceived that his gait grew slower and that his gaunt form bent a little under the weight of age and at last he acknowledged himself that he was on his last legs for twenty years there had lain in the captain's backyard a large round black log it was about thirty feet long it had been picked up on one of his voyages and was probably a part of the cargo of a wrecked vessel laden with mahogany this was all that was known of it and when captain bass was asked what he intended to do with this valuable piece of flotsam and jetsam he came nearer than he ever had to losing his always serene temper 
one day when the old sea dog's legs were stiffer than usual it was noted that the log was being hauled away and that it was landed at the sawmill up the street the little village was wonderstruck but neither the sawyer nor the captain gratified its feverish curiosity it was sawed into boards and little timbers and into other forms which mystified the people the wood was beautifully grained and of course well seasoned the most of it was stowed away in the captain's barn but a part of it was sent off where or for what purpose it was unknown even to the captain's niece curiosity was now above blood heat throughout the village but no one dared to ask questions and captain bass went about his usual routine when the weather permitted by the more observant it was noticed that his face grew daily more sweet and tender and that his amen in the little church was sanctified with a spirituality that the elders seldom attained one day several weeks after the lumber had been shipped the captain's neighbors were brought to their windows by the sight of an express team unloading several large packing cases at that worthy gentleman's door naturally popular fancy at once connected these cases with the mysterious lumber and soon his niece was the object of calls and questionings and hints from every side all of course directed toward the discovery of the contents of the boxes but from all these quests the curious in spirit came away unsatisfied and for excellent reason hitty bass knew no more than they on the day of their arrival she had seen the packing cases opened and had also watched while certain mysterious bundles wrapped in tissue paper were carefully removed she had also watched them conveyed to an unused room adjoining the dining-room in which were stored some padlock sea-chests dust-covered worm-eaten and filled with unknown treasures that the captain had gathered on land and sea but what these bundles were she had never discovered for her uncle guarded the key of the storeroom with the care of st peter himself and neither hints nor frowns had been able to gain her entrance for many months the mahogany lumber lay gathering dust in the barn while the bundles remained locked away in the storeroom and still the captain's silence was unbroken his niece only just escaped being disinherited when she so far lost control over her curiosity as to be caught in the act of undoing a heavy parcel of shining silver plates each one apparently bearing an inscription which the expressman had landed at the house and which she had opened scenting some clue to the mystery that so tantalized her but hitty bass had been seized before she had been able to read the simple words cut in the silver while the captain's anger had mounted like a raging sea after that the old spinster avoided the storeroom as religiously as though it had been a haunted spot she tried every possible device for pleasing her uncle and soon felt secure once more in the assurance that his will would make her the heiress of the village and would bring her joys which her rather plain personality had up to this time denied her winter came and passed with no unravelling of the captain's secret the spring found the boat builders busy and the old sea dog still painfully making his rounds in april he suddenly announced that he was going to give a birthday party and forthwith made preparations for guests to the number of twenty-five ordering on such a lavish scale that hitty trembled for her future fortune she was moreover still further exercised by the fact that for several days before the party her uncle spent hours daily in the storeroom that contained the mysterious bundles something she knew was going on in which the birthday party the bundles and the silver plates were somehow mixed up together 
and only the memory of her former fright restrained her from furtively applying her eye to the keyhole of the bluebeard's chamber in which such mysteries were brewing on the evening of his party captain bass was in the best of spirits the town had bubbled over with gossip concerning the event and every one invited had accepted the guests included all the captain's old friends and where one had gone to the other shore there was a widow or a son or a daughter or some relative to represent him each received a sailor's welcome and there was music singing and rejoicing the light of other days came into the eyes of all yarns were spun and the jokes of whaling days were again revived the generous old punch-bowl of willow-ware was filled with the captain's choicest brew made with his own hands the ladle was kept busy and merrier rose the laughter as it did its work an old-fashioned supper was served and the captain made the chowder had they been his own sons and daughters his guests could not have been treated with more affection and courtesy under the influence of his genial spirit new love woke in young hearts while the old love was resurrected in those of their elders when the evening was nearly spent the closed room at the right of the dining-room was slyly unlocked by captain josiah lemuel a silence came over the company and the old man stood for a moment facing his guests his eyes looked misty like the gathering fog in the sunshine my friends he said before you set sail i'd like to make the evening merrier with a present to each of you as a sort of ensign which will always make you think of me my voyage our voyage old friends is almost spent but let us hail the new and strange port as we've always gleefully cheered whenever we've dropped anchor in harbour the one that keeps us safe from the storm i feel as if i should make this port for you and like my old nancy b at new bedford i shall then be thankful to haul up for an eternal rest but friends i'll not make you sorrowful with a subject that is solemn to most folks but to me it is a simple and joyful one that is why in a merry gathering i have resolved to make this gift come in here and each find your own may you each approach your final harbour as peacefully and happily as i shall for a moment the little company stood motionless with awed faces their curiosity overcome by sorrow but the old captain's face was lighted by a smile that forbade melancholy and at an encouraging wave of his hand they filed slowly into the adjoining room there they saw that which brought the tears to their eyes ranged around the room in a shining line were twenty-five miniature sea-chests each two feet long and one foot deep made of polished mahogany all were locked with silver padlocks and moved on silver hinges while on the top of each was screwed a silver plate bearing the name of one of the guests together with the following inscription given in love and gratitude to his friend by josiah lemuel bass on his eighty-sixth birthday at last hitty bass understood the mystery of the silver plates and the mysterious bundles she soon understood too why her uncle had spent so many hours in the room that contained besides the mahogany chests the gatherings of twenty years of sea voyaging for the chests were not empty when the lids were thrown back there lay revealed treasures from almost every part of the globe there were cashmere shawls and other soft stuffs from india brilliant chinese silks with articles of vertu and rare woods packages of sweet-smelling spices and bottles of rare old wine jars of aromatic herbs and salts rare teas and choice coffees 
and countless things whose names their new owners could hardly guess into each chest the old captain had packed a rich assortment and as he watched the glowing faces of the recipients he smiled as if his enjoyment were as rare as the articles but hitty groaned inwardly he's a given away all my fortune she thought and for the rest of the evening she conversed in monosyllables and ignored all hints that she should open the remaining chest bearing the name mehitable josephine bass when finally the last guests had taken their leave with many grateful speeches and prophecies of future happy birthdays in store for their old friend the captain called hitty to him bring out your chest hitty he said and let's see what's in it her uncle sat by the inglenook toasting himself before the open fire when the old spinster returned carrying the box its polished surface gleaming in the dancing flames she placed it on the table and sat down seemingly unwilling to unfasten the tiny silver padlock why don't you open it my girl said the uncle and with an almost girlish shyness she complied her fingers trembled but at last the lid flew open and disclosed a glittering interior the box was divided into two parts by an upper tray and before her hitty bass saw arranged in little rolls a shining hoard of gold coin sufficient to keep her in comfort all the rest of her life almost overcome and mindful of her selfishness and shortcomings she crept to her uncle's side and kissed him an unusual exhibition of emotion that came near settling the old captain then for several moments they sat there silently watching the flickering light of the dying embers as they crumbled into ashes the fame of the birthday party of captain bass never died but before the village gatherings had ceased to use it as a topic of conversation the old man's health had visibly failed his prediction that he had but few days more to live seemed too true he could barely drag himself down the street one morning in may when he appeared at the door of captain carroll's boat-building shop and his voice trembled perceptibly as he took his old friend aside for a private interview what its subject was nobody knew but the man in the shop noticed that captain bass seemed making some request to which the boat-builder shook his head with a look of mingled pain and horror and much they wondered that a friend of the dear old captain's could refuse him any favour from captain carroll's the old man moved painfully on to the shop of his old comrade captain merrill who had gone before and had been succeeded by his son the latter gave him a cordial greeting listened wonderingly to his request and consented but when the young boat-builder went home that night and told his wife what he had promised their old friend phoebe merrill held up her hands in horror at her husband's hard-heartedness phoebe's word was law to joe merrill and after supper he visited captain bass at his home and said that after all he could not perform the task agreed upon remonstrance was in vain and that evening hitty bass noticed a tinge of disappointment in her uncle's manner his face was as serene as ever but she was a close student of his features and it seemed to her that he was provoked at something this time however her curiosity was softened into concern that anything should disturb the dear old man's declining days ten days later captain bass suffered an attack of paralysis it was not fatal but the doctor said it was his death knell afterwards he rallied and was able to move about slowly with his cane one sunny morning he wended his way again to captain carroll's shop glad greetings were exchanged 
and his old friend congratulated him upon his apparent recovery the two sat and watched the sea for some time finally captain bass broke the silence my friend he said i'm not going to get well i have come to talk over with you what i spoke of before i know of nothing i would not do for you now tell me why you cannot grant my request then in a low voice he continued what seemed a powerful appeal in the end it broke down the boat builder's last barrier with dim eyes he wrung in a sympathetic grasp his friend's hand and nodded a silent assent a few days later the captain passed peacefully away his will was read in the room which had been the scene of his merry festival a few weeks before with the guests of that night as listeners according to his desire the document divided his liberal fortune generously including a princely gift to his native town but its final clause amazed his relatives and friends and kept the town for two days in a ferment of wonder my last desire it ran is to set sail for my last port let my old friends gather at the south beach at sunset and bid me godspeed to my last haven in a sealed envelope were contained detailed instructions to be read only by hitty bass captain carroll and the minister upon examining these hitty was almost crazed with grief for she believed her uncle insane but the captain's good pastor knew the world and what is more knew his late parishioner his influence soothed the distraught woman and preparations were made by which the will was to be fulfilled the setting sun rested on the ocean in rosy light two evenings later when all the townspeople reverently assembled at south beach to witness the strange and moving ceremony of the funeral of captain bass there moored in the little harbour they saw a small dory made all of shining mahogany on each side of the bow were the words captain josiah lemuel bass on the stern was fastened a silver plate which read captain josiah lemuel bass departed on his last voyage june eleventh eighteen ninety aged eighty six years out of the remainder of the old log captain carroll had wrought as carefully as a sculptor would hew a marble statue the craft for his old friend's final cruise to-day as he with three other of captain bass's friends carried the coffin to its resting-place the last request of his old comrade was ever with him build me a neat little ship for a simple voyage with god's fair wind and as snug a harbour at the end as one could ever wish the service was of the simplest the minister read the solemn service for the burial of the dead at sea then the old friends of captain bass spread the sail and a fresh fair wind moved the shining craft from shore with heads removed and tearful voices the assembled people sang abide with me when the song was finished they stood silent and watched the speeding craft until at last it melted from their gaze into the twilight if it was ever spoken by passing vessels the fact was never known to the villagers and thus peacefully departed the beloved captain on his last cruise End of section five.